Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. And we're back with another instant analysis edition of Talk On, following Liverpool's 7-0 shellacking of our racist friend Spartak. That's right, I'm looking at you, Putin. Hashtag Brewster. <laughs> wow. Yeah, lots of throwing. We're, we're dropping racist. I mean, listen, it's 7-0, so we can drop whatever we want, but I mean, including the microphone, but 7-0 and racist comments right out of the gate are a little bit strong. I love it, Jeff. Ryan so, Brewster, you know, it, it was a real story. Um, anyway, I'm your host, Jeff Hallett, filling in for Joey Vishny, who's on assignment, otherwise known as work. Uh, this is a special one for us because we have Chase from our new and very popular Canary and Blue podcast. Plenty of Brazilians to talk about in this one, so it kind of felt right. How are you, Chase? Jeff, I'm doing great. It's good to be back. Back to my roots. Good to have you. And the, and, and the godfather himself, usually found on the dance floor, New York City, Brian Painter. What is up, Brian? Hey, how you doing, Jeff? And uh, yes, I can be found on any dance floor in any part of Manhattan at any point. Right, and, and I'll be <laughs> sitting in the chairs because I cannot. So somebody's got to be able to. I do can it. shoot the duck better than anybody you know, buddy. <laughs> I believe it. So, um, phenomenal match. I mean, why don't we start since captain was such a big theme in this one? Let's have an opening question. We haven't done that in a little while. Get everybody chuckling in addition to raising beers. So, for the opening question, give me your favorite non-football meaning non-soccer, of course, captain. You know, it could be anything from the captain and Tennille, number of different options to choose from. Painter, when do we start with you? Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> captain, oh, my captain. Yeah. I, yeah, I, there, there's, there's a lot in this one, and I didn't prep for this, so um, obviously the match just finished. Um, if I had to pick one non-captain, and I'm sure I'm going to hate myself when I listen back to this uh, in the morning, but I'm going to have to go with uh, LeBron James, and I know that's going to tweak Chase because he's not a LeBron James fan, uh, but I'm going to go LeBron James because I think uh, – actually, you know what? I'm going to change that now that I think about that. I'm going to go with Michael Jordan, um, and just because of the way he willed his teams to win, uh, LeBron did a little bit of that, but I don't think he's at Jordan's level. So I'm going to go Michael Jordan, buddy. Weak, weak sauce. Uh, Chase, I, I was hoping for some controversy. Maybe you can introduce some. Oh, I so <laughs> I was thinking it was non-sports. So I ha- I have two. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, obviously. And also, Painter alluded to it, but Robin Williams, Dead Poets Society. It's a classic. Ooh. It's a classic movie. A little out of left field, but I'll. I'll stick with it. Those are my two. Two favorite captains, non-sports. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was non-sports. I just thought it was non-football. But yeah, I'm reading it again, and you know, I didn't do very well in reading comprehension on my SATs. So you know, it is what it is. But I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> it was purposely left open to interpretation, and you'll you'll hear as much as I share mine. So as I was growing up, there was, and don't ask me how I know this, there was a strip club in Southern California by the name of Captain Creams. Captain Creams, I've been there. There you go. 
Hi <laughs> I absolutely have been there. It, it, oh man, Katie, that's so funny to Katie, that up. Katie, if you're, Katie, if you're listening, I haven't. Uh, and of course, what's funny about this? I mean, aside from the name itself, um, Captain Creams, the owner, had a kid going to one of the local schools, um, and he was referred to as Corporal Creams. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, that I didn't poor, know. That poor kid. That, yeah, is, that, that, that I did not know. <laughs> talk about ruin. Talk about ruining high school. My goodness, that's right. horrible. As if it isn't tough enough. Your dad is owner yeah. of a strip club. But okay, right. Now that we've set the mood, fantastic. Um, why don't we talk about the game itself and beginning with our overall impressions? Which mine begin with, wow, my four nil prediction. Boy, was that off. Uh, painter, painter, straight to you. Uh, how do you think Klopp set up? What were the big themes from the match? Well, I mean, other than the fact that we fucking smoked, smoked them seven nothing. I mean, you, you know, that's the second time uh, that we've smoked a Champions League team seven nothing. And in fact, it's we have more seven zero wins this season than we do one zero wins, which is just fucking mental to think about. Yep. Um, but my overall impressions was he or were that he was he went strong and we knew he was going to go strong. Uh, you know, he had John and uh, Jeannie holding in the midfield, uh, Clavon, Lovren, uh, Gomez, Moreno, and then he had the front four that we know and love uh, as Coutinho, Firmino, Mane, and Salah. And you know, again, we came out blistering. Uh, Salah drew the early penalty, which Phil tucked away nicely. Uh, Phil got the armband, uh, which I thought was awesome. Uh, I don't know if that was a an effort to keep him here, uh, but through the January transfer window. But I thought it, I thought it was awesome. Yep. I, I I think we we absolutely came out of the blocks flying and and, and put the game to bed early. I did like how we set up again. He went. He went four two two four or two two with Salah and Firmino up top, which again we've seen him do a couple other times, which I thought was really interesting. And he did it again tonight um, with Coutinho and Mane in behind, and I thought that really worked well. And, and we seem to be playing well. By the way, if you have those four up top, you might as well just sit uh, Jan and. Uh, and Genie deep and just have him cover the defense because those guys are going to get goals. But yep. I mean, Klopp just did an amazing job and I thought, uh, I thought he got it right. Uh, he got everything right and we came out of the traps flying. The crowd was amazing. And, you know, we got up on top three goals in like 17 minutes, which again was amazing. Uh, we were all buzzing at the, at the pub at the Irish American and, uh, amen to that, more of that. And God, Liverpool look frightening right now. Hmm. Yeah, uh, certainly different than, say, the the last run at Sevilla. Chase, now we've talked thoroughly about backline in the midfield. Maybe you can sprinkle in a little bit about the attack. Yeah, so it was a fantastic result, obviously. Uh, Like Painter said, within 20 minutes, it had a different feel to Sevilla altogether in that um, I never really felt like Liverpool was going to lose this match. Like it, It never really felt like... They were teetering at any moment. They were just in complete control the whole time. And 
as Painter said, I, I think that the best word to use is that Klopp really just unleashed the side on Spartak. You know, he just he essentially said, go out there and win by as many goals as you can, and of course they did. Um, like Painter, I was really happy to see Coutinho as captain. I was doing some research during the match, and I actually think that uh, aside from a friendly this summer for Hertha against Hertha Berlin, which I don't know if you count that or not, I think that this is the first match Coutinho has been captain for club at the senior level. So mm. a big achievement for him, and um, I think he, just to be honest, I think he already contributed more as captain than uh, Henderson has. Obviously, that's, <laughs> hey obviously that's, hey that's, a, that's a hot take, and I, no, just just a joke, but I saw that on Twitter, but... Um, <laughs> Obviously, you know, he had them raring to go with whatever leadership skills that he has, and, and they are firing on all cylinders. One thing that I did want to bring up about the attack was I think Firmino had a great match. Uh, Coutinho was blistering, and, and he'll get a lot of the headlines. And, and on Canary and Blue, we said that. I, I, I posted that. I think bar, Na- bar a couple of performances by Neymar, this has been the best performance of any player in the Champions League this season. So an- another hot take. But um, Firmino was fantastic as well. He created a lot of space for the attack, and he does – we've talked about this a lot on this podcast – he does a lot of the work that nobody else wants to do in terms of tracking defenders and pressing high at the pitch. But I think one thing that's worth recognizing is with six goals and three assists uh, in the not in the, in the group stage, he has the same amount of goals and assists as Neymar. So it's not like he's not producing in front of net either. I mean, right. I think a lot of people would wish that he would do it for Liverpool in the league, but in the Champions League, he's been nothing short of sensational. And the whole, in fact, the whole front four really has been. He's been fantastic, and Chase just to pile on to the Coutinho love in. Coutinho's uh, goal was the fastest goal in Champions League uh, games at Anfield in history. So there's that, too, to throw into that, that he scored the fastest goal in Liverpool's very storied Champions League history at Anfield. So there's that. And, I mean, I think arguably he was a little abject uh, against Chelsea a few games ago. But since then, he's just been absolutely lights out. Um, he, he was fantastic. At the weekend, and again tonight, he was he was in, insane. Like I don't even know how to explain it. I I think he's on a run of form, and it bodes us well heading into the Derby at the weekend against Everton. Right. Yeah, and he's just he's on a completely different level. And I actually think that matches like tonight are illustrative of the fact that I think Salah is a great player. I really like Mane as well. And obviously Firmino does a lot, but I still think Coutinho is the best player on this team. Like I think he is the most influential. And when you put him in big matches, like the ones that happened last May down the stretch for Liverpool's trying to qualify for Champions League. And then tonight, obviously he's captain and Liverpool still had some work to do. I think that will be forgotten. in the shuffle is that Liverpool did. Right. They had some work to do tonight in this match. They yeah. couldn't just go out and put out a shit performance, right? He came to play and to score Absolutely. a hat trick at Anfield in the Champions League is not something to scoff at, and it's a it's not a particularly long list of players who've done it. Yep. No, it's it's not That's spot on. I mean, yeah, he had a he had an amazing night, um, but I you know again I I look at that front four and I just think it works together. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there, there's some synergy there that you know one of them plays off the other. I mean, you look at some of those goals that they scored. You know, Firmino's for 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 Phil's second, the 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 interchange, and then Firmino's dragging it back for Phil to tuck it in the corner. I mean, that is just some gorgeous, absolutely stunningly gorgeous play, unbelievable. Yeah, and selfish play too for four players who could be stars and or all stars in their own right. Exactly. To see them play so unselfishly is is a joy to watch. Yeah, and it makes you think. I mean, we've been talking quite a bit over, over the succeeding weeks about 
the attack and clop system, you know, the barreling forward, how when it works, it works beautifully. And when it doesn't, it falls apart and literally the wheels fall off. This is clearly a instance where it all worked right. It worked to perfection. And Painter, I'm curious, like, is that something different in how Klopp set up? You know, does he, this lineup that he put with Genie and John in, in the midfield to stabilize things, um, where, you know, perhaps they haven't been so stable with Henderson on, do you think we've got a better model going forward? I, well, I think, well, yes. I, to answer your question, yes. He's set up much differently um these last couple games and he's trying different formations i mean hell he had genie as and, and john as a fullback um in a, in a back three the last game before uh spartak i i you know you look at tonight and he he went with a flat back four and then he had john and genie sitting and then he had kind of like an offset two and then two two strikers and Sala and firmino i mean he's he's doing a bunch of different things that I think are keeping our opposition guessing. I don't think Everton have any fucking clue what's about to happen at the weekend on how we're going to set up, let alone the personnel we're going to set it up with. And I think that's been really a renaissance for him over these last, call it six matches, seven matches, where he's he's got this team playing really well, but he's also mixing and matching. He's resting players. I mean... You, you gotta give your, you know, you gotta give a big shout out to Klopp on this one. He's just really been effective in what he's been doing and the players seem to be responding. Yep. And, you know, I think we've been talking about it also that he is expert when backs against the wall, especially when it's at home at Anfield, European night like it was, he tends to deliver. He tends to get the team up and prepared sufficiently to deliver the result. And today, I mean, what better result that could you have hoped for than seven nil? Just sort of dream scenario. Eight, eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Chase, we haven't talked much about the back line, and this is a phenomenal Liverpool pod because most of ours live or die by the play of the said back line. For this one, could we have stood anyone back there? Could I have been center back and we still deliver a clean no. sheet? Or is it <laughs> too much honesty? Hey. Too much. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but to the point of Klavan and Lovren are much maligned center backs. Were they enough? Did they overachieve? Did it matter that they were back there? I don't, I don't think, I honestly don't think we learned a lot about the back line in this match. I just think, honestly, Spartak got bull rushed. And to be honest, in the first half, before it was 3-0 within the first 20 minutes, Spartak did have the ball with some space in the opposition half a couple times and just didn't, didn't really make anything of it. I mean, they were, I wouldn't even call them half chances. It was just that they just ended up in positions where it was, you know, four on four or three on four or something like that, where it looked like, oh, this is this is a, a bit dangerous. But they just they didn't have the attacking talent to really make Liverpool pay for it. Yeah. Um, I just don't I just don't know how much if you're a Liverpool supporter you're learning from this match from a midfield and, and defense perspective. I do want to talk for a second though about the formation because I think it's really interesting. Klopp has of course experimented a ton as, as Painter said over the course not only of this season but of his time at Liverpool but this match when you actually look at the formations the way they set up and I'll be really keen to see the uh, the pass maps and the heat maps uh, as they are released over the next couple hours is 
it really was a return to roots in a way. I mean, I think you could call it a 4-2-2-2, but it really had the, the looks both in terms of formation and in terms of personnel of some of his best teams at Dortmund, I would say. Hmm. And I think if he's going to settle on a formation and a group of players that is similar to Dortmund, I think this is it. I think this is the team that most, if you take the pot of players that Liverpool have available, these, this is the setup that would probably make him feel most at home when he thinks about his time at Dortmund. <laughs> But yeah, it's like it almost like chased you to that point. It's almost like a four two wide to narrow to. You know what I'm saying? Like it, like it, it, he's got those two strikers, and then he's got Coutinho and Mane sitting out wide, but they're but they're ten yards back from you know Firmino and Salah, and you know Salah's playing through the middle, and then he's got Genie and Chan sitting in front of the back line, which is making them stronger defensively um, because we haven't given up a lot of chances when he plays this formation. And we haven't obviously given up a lot of goals either um, over the last, since Spurs, we haven't given, I think we've given up what two goals. If that, um, yeah, I think I it's two, but yeah. So I, I think it's a really, really slick formation. And back to the comment I made earlier is, you know, if you've got those four up top and you've got the counterattacking prowess that we have and the pace why would you want to push numbers forward if you don't have to and just let those four just go sort it out up top, really, to be honest? Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. And when you think about it, like when he played at Dortmund, like Lewandowski and Royce, obviously he had those two. And, and those two players are, they're forwards, right? We, we know them now. I mean, Royce isn't technically a striker per se, but he's a center forward. And I, I don't think it's all that different. I, I think he's setting up in a very similar way. And, and, and like you said, Painter, for you to be able to allow two players like Sean, who has a who is who's a good tackler, and I think has a has a there's been debates about this, but he's a decent command of the midfield, and I think someone like uh, Wijnaldum, who's more of a buzzsaw type player, you're allowing them to essentially just sit in front of the back line and limit the chances. Now the question that I have is when Lallana comes back. He was such an influential player last season. Does he revert back to four three three, or does he stay with the system that he has now? Yeah, because that's a great question um, because I don't think Lalana fits that that formation that we had. No, definitely not. I, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he fits that formation, but we'll see. Um, but it's good options to have, right? It's uh, champagne problems uh, <laughs> with Lalana coming back. <laughs> anyway, getting on to seat index and we're doing this of course with the father of seat index that hatched it immaculately in a cave somewhere i'm pretty sure <laughs> brian brian painter suddenly there was seat index and there was uh you know a few beers lying around painter what got you out of your seat what got you slouching back into your chair i'm sure there was a lot to like in this match for you what do you have uh, yeah but... Well, I mean, the seat index of 7 nothing in the Champions League when there's all the play for. If you lose, you're out. If you win, you're in type of situation. So, um, and the boys came and played. Uh, we've talked many times about multiple other teams, Jeff, of, about coming to show in a big game. And the boys showed. Um, so that was the overall more higher level seat index. But yeah. for me, I have to say Mane's goal uh, with an assist from Milner. By the way, Milner had three assists on the night, um, and he came in just before halftime. So, uh, is that know. why? Is that why Joey's on the pod? Because yeah. his head exploded. He's in a hospital somewhere. <laughs> no, he's, he's in straight. His head had to explode. He had three assists, by the way, which is funny. You know, I was wondering why I got the phone call, guys. You know. <laughs> 
Milner's three assists, but I mean, Mane's goal was, I watched it probably a half a dozen times on the walk back from the bar, but I mean, it was, it was insane. Um, just a whole interchange play and then Milner puts a perfect cross in and then Molly gives it the flying Watata side volley. Uh, that got me out of my seat. I guess if I had to pick something that didn't get me out of my seat, uh, it had to be in the first half when Gomez, um, got, was, was on to a through ball and then Carius came out and absolutely bundled over him and, uh, the Spartak player and basically completed a complete yard sale uh at about the 35 yard line but that was that was absolutely ridiculous when his defender clearly had the ball i thought carius uh completely made a mess of that but <laughs> anyway <laughs> hey guys i'm my, here that was my seat index yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep chase uh what what were your index ratings positive and negative I'm sure there might be a Brazilian uh, in there somewhere. Yeah, there's just so many, right? As Spanner said in a 7-0, like, how do you choose? Um, but I think, I just, I, we talked about this at the very beginning of the pod, and I don't want to, like, wax too lyrically here, but Coutinho was just so brilliant. And I, I think the, his third goal, although it was a deflection, he, he gets the ball, right? He, like, dribbles a couple players. There's a dummy in there from him somewhere, and then he just gets a bit of luck at the end to actually put the ball in the back of the net. But he's just, he was so brilliant. And I said at the beginning of the season, He's 25 years old. Kaká was 25 in 2007 when he had that amazing run with Milan uh, to win the Champions League. I'm, of course, before we get like bundles of hate, not suggesting that Coutinho is anywhere near Kaká's level. But it's time for him to step up and to start like leading his team to victory. And tonight was def- a definite example of that. My one minus, and I think I'm being a little bit harsh, it's fine. is uh, yeah, we can do that Emery Chan getting nutmegged and then a yellow card within five minutes <laughs> in, like, the first 20 minutes of the match. I was just like, it's like... Are you trying to blow this? Like, what is happening yeah. here? And so that was that was my one negative. I still think he's a weak spot, and that'll have to be sorted. I think Kato will will potentially slide into that spot. By the way, he's out for the next game, uh, Champions League game, because that's a uh, yellow card accumulation. So oh, that's gonna... stupid yellow card yeah. too. Yeah, yeah terrible. Which, which means my favorite player, Jordan Henderson, will end up back on the pitch. I... He's getting a start, buddy. <laughs> Where, where's the alcohol? Um, Okay, so um, we've heard your positive and negatives. Here, here were mine. So it starts with a clean sheet, um, which is more a key, you know, leading indicator of success for Klopp and his system. Solid shot. Yeah. So if if the attack is working, if the midfield is you know competent, which I, I thought Jean for all of his mistakes and nutmeg, you know, highlight reel, uh, I thought he and Genie did. I mean, Genie was positive genie, the best genie that we see at Anfield. Um, he's at home. He was comfortable. I thought he bossed the midfield. That was helpful. And the back line didn't really have to work much. But uh, for what they did, we didn't see any funny turnarounds from Klavan. Uh, Lovren, for the most part, got his headers right. So it, as I see that, so goes Liverpool's success week to week. So that was great. Um, and what wasn't great, something that I never would have thought I would mention at any point on any pod, uh, Moreno going down with a likely injury. Um, and it, yeah. it, it was a big, it was a positive that he tried to fight through it. You could tell the desire in him. Uh, the run of form. The best left gonna... back in Europe. Jeff, you bring up a great point because that's going to have ramifications at the weekend, because he's not going to be ready for Everton at the weekend. Yep. So, so what do you do? I, well, you you 
throw Robertson in is the short answer, but he hasn't gotten a lot but of do minutes. Do you? Hey, I, I do. Why not, why not put Milner in? I don't know. Anyways. Well, Joey, again, is like pounding at the sky. It's because... Has anyone has anyone coined a phrase yet from Reyna's like return to glory? I've been thinking about that all day today. <laughs> the Morena, the Morena sons? Is that working? Oh, the Morena sons or Laca Morena? Oh, good <laughs> lord. I mean, for me, I'm, just get, I'm getting over the song that was prematurely sung of him and Alonzo and Stevie, like... That that just turns my stomach every time I hear it. But I okay w- w- puns with Moreno, totally fine. He's he's earned it this year. Why don't we get on to life's questions? You know, this is the fun part of the pod where we can think about what does it all mean as we go on throughout the year. Painter, why don't we start with you? What is today's seven nil drubbing result, knocking out to the knockout round, mean for Klopp and mean for the January window? Well, it's a big step forward. Um, you know, Liverpool haven't been to the knockout phase. Geez, I want to say since what, 2009? Nine. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a big step forward. You know, we want to be considered Europeans elite. Um, and back in that discussion, uh, we need to be getting to the knockout group, uh, knockout, uh, knockout phase of, uh, the, the Champions League. So, I think it's a big step forward. Um, it's a, probably another checkbox on uh, Klopp's goals uh, that he set for this side. Um, I think that in terms of what it means to the transfer window, I don't think it means a whole lot. Uh, and what I mean by that is <clears throat> most people that we would be interested in in January are cup-tied. The only one that's not cup-tied is Virgil van Dyke. So theoretically, he would be the only one that would improve the squad for the Champions League run. Um, there's probably a few other ones that aren't cup tied that could potentially come in and impact. But by and large, the biggest one out there is Virgil van Dyke. But in terms of our other targets, all of them are cup tied to, um, you know, like Keita and some of these other ones. They've all played in the Champions League. And I don't think it means that big of a deal to our January recruitment. The thing that impacts our summer recruitment is whether we're in the Champions League again. So whether we win it, amen to that, which uh, we're well on our way to winning uh, the Champions League this year. But uh, finishing in the, <laughs> finishing in the top four and uh, securing Champions League again next season uh, will be what determines how well we recruit in the summertime and what level we recruit at. So um, I don't really think getting through to the knockout phase is anything other than confidence for uh, the team right now going through a busy uh, holiday period. I think we've got what eight games between now and um, now in the beginning of the year, I think it's eight or seven. Yep. Uh, so there are a lot of, a lot of points to be dropped, um, a lot of points to be gained. So our confidence is brimming right now. People are scoring for fun and I think we're coming into an excellent run of form. <clears throat> but I don't think the Champions League uh, knockout phase qualification has really much bearing on our January window. Yeah. Well, it's usually best when you need to convince people to come on. I know that in prior pods, you know, say after the 4-1 at Wembley, we've been asking for four or five players to join the squad. So now that we're down to one, that's probably a more responsible shout. So, Chase, what about you in – 
you know, as you start to look at the players as they approach the next international break, uh, their place in their national team, say the Brazilians on Liverpool's roster, what do you think this performance in Champions League and today did for them, if any? Uh, you know, I'm not sure it impacts Coutinho's place in the team, just because I think he's so cemented and he's such a just a valuable part of Brazil's starting eleven. So obviously, but obviously, him having confidence is good for the side, and he's playing with he's playing in great form right now, so that doesn't hurt uh, for their match against Germany come the next international break. The the big question that I just continue to mull over, and we'll talk about this a lot on uh, our podcast this weekend for Canary Blue. Just a quick plug um, is. Uh, is for you know I, I continue to just kind of struggle and grapple with what his best position is and what his best place is for Brazil. Um, he obviously has been given some chances under Chiche, mostly at points when Jesus was uh, was injured. But he's just it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to play in the side as long as Jesus is healthy. But I think he is a really really great option for Brazil, Brazil to have coming off the bench, especially at a World Cup when. You know, people get injured. Um, there can be situations with yellow cards, that sort of thing. Like you just never know what's going to happen. And having a player like for, uh, Firmino, who's sort of like a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he kind of fits anywhere in the front three, and you can play him in a lot of different places. He's super valuable. Um, the longer he goes, kind of scoring the way that he is in the Champions League, though, he definitely gives Chiche a bit of a headache. Like there are going to be there. I already saw on Twitter today there was just increased calls for him to potentially play. In like a four, like a four-two-two, the same way the Liverpool plays uh, with um, Gabriel Jesus up top. I don't think that that's the best way for Brazil. I don't think that's a good system for them to play. But as long as he continues to play this well for Liverpool, I just think that the questions are going to continue to be asked. True, and you know, with the national team, we start thinking about how about the knockout stages themselves. So the the field is going to get tighter and tougher. For Liverpool, um, Painter, what do you think about as we enter the knockout stages? Sort of favors Liverpool. Uh, I think Klopp in the group stages, not you know, it's like domestic cup competitions where he can't focus as tightly. You give Klopp a chance to focus with a home and away leg. Uh, I think it might favor him. What do you think? Why, well, first and foremost, finishing top of the group guarantees us the second leg at home yep. so that's a that's a big thing uh obviously playing at home needing a result you know and having the crowd behind you we've seen what it did uh against Dortmund um yep. and you know that 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 can't be understated so I think that was a major achievement uh in and of itself but it really depends who we get I mean you know, our, our potential foes, you know, we can get Juventus, we can get Madrid, and we can get Bayern Munich. Those three teams, um, as much as I f- fancy our striking, a, you know, our striking foursome, you know, our, I don't fancy our defense against any of those uh, three. Uh, and I really think it's going to depend on the draw, but I like our chances uh, even against those teams with – uh, the second round tie at Anfield. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I, with the run of form that we're in right now, I think we can beat anybody, uh, just because our attacking prowess is so insane right now. I do think though that the fact that the, the next round is until February is going to have an impact on us. We're not going to see the same Liverpool in February that we see right now. They're, they're, they're hitting their stride. Maybe we will, but it's tough to keep that form over three months 
And I just, I think we'll see a different Liverpool side. So it'll be interesting to see how we, you know, what kind of run of form we come into um, in that next round of Champions League. And then obviously on Monday, who we get in the next round is going to be really dependent on, uh, you know, how confident I feel, uh, you know, about us going through um, past the next round. Yep. And then there's, if all else fails, Europa League to qualify for next year <laughs> if things don't go <laughs> the way we want. Um, guys, before we get out of here, I know we're running a little tight on time. Um, I wanted to at least end with a score prediction at the weekend, the Derby, uh, the team that we the hate, blue shite. The, the team we hate most in life, exactly the most worthless football franchise ever known to man. That includes MLS in China. That's right. We're talking about you, Everton. Uh, I've already called for a 4-0 result similar. To, <laughs> and, and, we, and we saw the proceeds from that today versus Spartak. Chase, what do you got for the weekend with with Everton? What are you seeing? So, Jeff, I don't know if you remember this, but the last time I was on a Talk On podcast mm-hmm. was before the last derby. So it's, like, <laughs> incredible, right? And I said 4-0 at that time, and they won 4-0. <laughs> so I will say 4-0 again. Hopefully they win 4-0 again. To Everton, Everton is terrible. I mean, I'm, I'm just—I mean, yeah. they are truly awful. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, but you got you got Fat Sam in charge now, so who knows? They're, they 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 look a decent side uh, from their last game. Rooney scoring mid, uh, midfield goals and whatnot. I mean, they could pose a threat. <laughs> I saw that. I saw the Guardian say that uh, Rooney's goal is the best goal in Premier League history. And I just closed my computer and said it's time for some outdoors times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, the one thing that Chase has taught me over time is that derbies, you can predict them. They may feel like they're any other game, and the players might say that to the media, but the derbies tend to be different. Uh, And I don't know if this current run of form is just going to bowl over Fat Sam and whatever he's got going with uh, the blue shite. Painter, what do you think? What, What do you think we're headed for this weekend? Well, if we know anything about Sam Alderdice, he's gonna he's gonna pack it in. He's gonna play tight defensively. I think he's gonna cause us problems. Um, I, I I I don't see us just blowing them off the pitch. Uh, it's a derby; they're gonna be up for it. They've got a good win uh, in their last time out. Uh, depends. They're out of the Europa League, so they're gonna play all the kids uh, tomorrow. <clears throat> or tonight, when whenever you hear this podcast. So I. So I think they're going to be really competitive. I think it's going to be a 2-0 win for Liverpool at home. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think they're going to make us earn it, and um, I think we're going to have to get out of there with a 2-0 win. And, uh, again, I'll take that all day, every day. As long as we keep putting three points on the board, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. 1-0 at Goodison, for instance. It doesn't. We've got very low expectations when it comes to a derby. Just the win is enough. Well, gents, thank you so much for joining the special instant analysis edition of Talk On Chase from the Canary and Blue podcast. Everyone, please check out his podcast. Download it. He and Jimmy Torrejon do a phenomenal job covering the Brazilian players, the national team, and so many of them are on teams that we love, like Liverpool. So, Chase, thanks for joining us. Painter, thanks for coming on. Uh, until, next, uh, until next time, gents, talk on. Talk on, talk on. Talk on.